Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, my guest is author Lucy Ruddle. Lucy, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. Oh, good. Well, everyone, let me tell you a little bit about Lucy. She is an IBCLC and author of two books. She lives on the south coast of England. After five years of volunteering as a peer and breastfeeding counselor, Lucy became an IBCLC in 2018. Lucy has a thriving private practice where she counsels international clients and offers supervision and support to those preparing to sit for the IBCLC exam. Lucy's first book, Relactation, A Guide to Building Your Milk Supply, was born from her own breastfeeding experience. Her most recent book, Mixed Up, Combination Feeding by Choice or Necessity, addresses the issues that families face when feeding their baby a combination of breast milk and formula, either by choice or through circumstance. As a single mother of two neurodiverse boys, Lucy understands the challenges of motherhood and aims to offer holistic support to families providing any human milk to their children. Well, Lucy, you have taken on a very interesting approach here. Uh, I have in my hands Lucy's book, which is, uh, mm, let me see here about 190 pages or so. So Lucy has had quite a bit to say about this concept of mixed up. Lucy, could you start, please, by telling me what was your motivation for uh, even conceiving this book? Sure thing, Maria. Yes, it's certainly um, an unusual topic for a lactation consultant to be looking at. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't run you out of town. (laughs) I'm still surprised they haven't run me out of town. I'm still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the the problem is that here in the UK I'm not sure how it compares when you are in America but in the UK in particular we know that by the time a baby is six weeks old most of them are receiving some formula if not all formula and the parents I was speaking to in my practice you know 15 to 20 parents a week most of them had introduced some formula at some point against their wishes and had ended up in that top-up trap you know where you give more and more formula and less and less breast milk due mainly to a lack of support and information about how to actually maintain at breastfeeding while also using formula or donor milk. So I was so fed up of answering the same questions. <laughs> I wrote a guide, or I wrote, I wrote a fact sheet, which turned into a booklet, which turned into a 200-page oh, yeah. book. Oh, yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Lucy, here in the United States, we have a similar problem. I would say that maybe even that six weeks might be a little generous. I would say I've seen plenty of parents who are feeding formula before that, as you say, either by choice or by circumstance before that. 
Uh, it feels to me like I and all of my colleagues always give that message of exclusive breastfeeding is what you want to do, yada, yada, yada. And then I have heard parents say, and I'm pretty sure I'm quoting them verbatim, I know you won't approve, but. Uh huh. Yes. And have you heard a similar phrase? All the time, like every day, it feels like. And I even have clients book in to do what we call a breastfeeding debrief, where they talk about their experiences of breastfeeding after it's ended. Oh. And nearly always, they will email me after they've booked and they'll say, just so you know, I only breastfed for two weeks or three weeks or three days. Can I still see you? And my answer is, yes, absolutely. Yes, you are the absolutely. person I want to see because you have feelings about this and we need to get to the bottom of those, right? Yes, I also want to, uh, we're going to have a whole show to talk about this, but you used a term that is maybe not how I use it. I, I realize that we're talking from some 5,000 miles away or whatever it is, but even here in the U.S., not everybody uses terms the same. So yes. tell us what you mean by topped up. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, so topping up um, is giving a little bit of breast milk or formula at the end of a breastfeed um, in order to ensure that the baby's nutritional needs are met. Yeah. And then once they do this topping up, you have another phrase that I noticed in your book, and that was the topped up trap. And I'm like, oh, I bet I know what that is. But go ahead, Lucy, tell us what a topped up trap is. <laughs> so I assumed that the top up trap was something that you know everybody knew about. But like you say, 5,000 miles apart, different countries. You, yep. you know, it's very easy, isn't it, to fall into the trap of thinking it, it, it that everyone be, knows. It can be 50 miles down the road yes. sometimes. It's different, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of wonderful phrases. I, I love it. It's the joy of working this, this, in this industry, isn't it? Um, so the top-up trap, essentially, is where you start, you start giving your baby top-ups, so small volumes of breast milk or formula that are not coming directly from the breast. And then the next time your baby is a little bit fussy, you think, oh my goodness, it's because I don't have enough milk. I'm going to top them up again. And before you know it, that top up volume is increasing and the breast milk volume is decreasing. And you end up with a baby that genuinely doesn't want to go to the breast because there's not very much milk left. Right. Absolutely. And do parents tell you about that, Lucy, or do you sort of have to kind of tell them that you know how how do you handle that how do they handle that sure so the way I work tends to be very holistic conversation-based supportive active listening so I will say to them what do you think the issue is what are you noticing and I'll say do you know what it's like I have no milk it's like my milk has just gone and I'll say oh was it like this two weeks ago and I go well no two weeks ago it was it was a bit better, but maybe not as bad as this. And, you know, then we kind of get there together that, oh, maybe I've been giving too much formula and now my milk supply has decreased. Cue the panic, right? Because at that point yes. they panic. <laughs> yes, yes. And then what's the next step after they recognize? Because you've kind of led them to understand, no, two weeks ago it was different. Now we've got this situation. Then where do you go with that, Lucy? Yeah, so... First of all, an awful lot of listening and space yeah. holding, right? Because yeah. as soon as they come to that conclusion or that realization, all these feelings come to the surface of Thank guilt you. and fear and shame and even anger at people that have kind of, you know, maybe gave that formula to the baby in the first place. So I listen a lot. 
And then we start thinking about a plan to move forward. And there are, you know, a few different ways that we can do that. But for me, the most important thing is to make the breast a safe place for the baby to be. So they want to be at the breast while simultaneously working on increasing mum's milk supply, preferably with more at breast feeds, but if not with pumping or using a supplementary nursing system, which of course is the tube that we tape to mum's breast so the baby can get their supplement there. Mm-hmm. And in the initial period, would you say, after, after you've done the listing, after you've gotten out some of those uh, feelings as you just described, and then you say, okay, this is a doable job, right? We can reverse this. I don't know if those are the exact words you use, but I'm sure that that's the message that you give. Yes. How do they react to that? And do they say, sure, I'm in? Or do they say, Lucy, I don't think this is ever going to work? Well, well, how did they react? And then and how do you talk them through it? Yes. So the, the quickest way in my experience to scare a parent about low milk supply is to tell them they're going to have to pump eight times a day. That is the quickest way to get them to go, <laughs> no, it's not happening. Um, no. So I will say something like, so... The gold standard, if you had all the time in the world and you were like the world's most perfect parent, would be to pump about eight times a day. But how does that feel to you? And they kind of go, I can't do that. And I go, no, neither could I. Um, How many times a day do you think you could pump? And they might say, I don't know, maybe four. And then I could say, fantastic. So maybe most days you do four pumping sessions, but perhaps you have a good day and you manage to do five or six pumping sessions. And you just see the pennies start to drop. You don't have to be black and white about this you know it's a plan that's going to work for them and every plan that I come up with is individual to the parent that I'm working with because there is no point telling the busy mother of four running her own business that she needs to pump eight times a day it's not going to work right well you know when I was young I would tell parents things that were you know it's my way or the highway I know this is what you got to do da 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 just go home and do it and you're set And somewhere along the line, I realized that that just doesn't work for that mother or that family or that uh, uh, situation, whatever it is, might not even work for that baby, actually, sometimes. And so I think that you, you really do a good job of telling them, this would be what I know will work, but this might not work for, in other words, from a biological standpoint, it definitely works. Yeah, But from yeah. all the other standpoints, yeah, you know, if somebody's just going to shut down and say, well, forget that, I can't do any, then you're kind of stuck. You are. And that baby stops getting any human milk. Yes. And the, the view I'm coming out with mixed up is that any human milk for as long as possible is hugely beneficial to the baby and the mother. So let's prolong combi feeding or mixed feeding for several weeks rather than shut them down there and then and have them stop the human milk they are giving, you know? And for those of you who might think that Lucy Ruddle has totally gone rogue here, (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to tell you that is not true. She has agreement from the World Health Organization who they still preach that exclusive breastfeeding is the ideal, that is best. They do say that, but they are very quick these days, at least. These days, they are very quick to follow that with any amount of breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. And I totally, I totally believe that. I really do. Uh, I do not think that formula is evil or formula is the enemy. But 
sometimes, and then I'm gonna let, I'm gonna ask you, Lucy. Do you see that once they sort of get back on the track, then they are more willing to pick up? Absolutely, and it happens. I mean. I'm fortunate in the UK that if someone's seeking out a lactation consultant, they've gone out of their way to find me. I know in America, you, you kind of, you're on insurance policies and you're easier to get hold of. So by the time parents get to me, they are already highly motivated to succeed. So I know that could be oh. skewing what I'm seeing. But as soon as they start to see that milk supply increase, it's like a little light goes for them. And yes. they go, oh my goodness, this is working. Absolutely. And they want to pump more because they've seen the results. And so their right. supply goes up. And right. It's just wonderful, you know? Totally, totally. If my late father would say there's nothing that succeeds like success. Yes, yes. I love that. I might have to remember that. And oh, oh, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> by all means. And I don't know if my father got it from somebody more famous, but really when somebody starts to see themselves as succeeding, when they can see that they can turn around, when it is believable, then you know, they kind of get on board with it. And you're not the one preaching it, I guess is what I'm saying. That's it. And I'd love to share a story with you, if I might, oh, by all a friend means. of mine. Do so so she, she tried to breastfeed her first baby, had an awful time, as many mothers do, pain, slow weight gain, and stopped when her little one was about three weeks old. Several years later, she fell pregnant again. And she knew that I was at that point training to be a lactation consultant. And one of the first messages she sent me was, I'm pregnant don't talk to me about breastfeeding. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I was like, okay, Whoa. can I just tell you one thing about breastfeeding? And then I promise I will say nothing again. And she was like, okay, fine. So I told her about how if she gave colostrum at the breast, just one feed would be a bit like giving her baby an immunization that would help the meconium to pass through and make things a bit easier. So she kind of just acknowledged it and I didn't hear anything else. And the next thing I know, baby's been born and she's messaged me and she said, well, I did the first breastfeed of its colostrum and it was okay so I did the second one as well and I'm just giving a top up now because I'm not quite sure it's working and I kind of just very quietly sat in the background with her over several weeks exchanging messages and phone calls as she kind of moved from mostly formula feeding to mostly breastfeeding to eventually exclusive breastfeeding and at no point did I say to her you should be doing this you have to be doing this it was as her confidence built in what her yes. body could do. Yes. It's like she came to life and she breastfed that little boy for two and a half years, which is Oh, just my wonderful. word. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, I have found that when you start giving the you should, you must, uh, people just shut down. And I don't care whether it's about breastfeeding or anything else. And years ago, I said, um, if there were one thing that I could give the mother that would really work, it would be a confidence pill. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the sense of it, right? Just confidence yeah. and self-belief and empowerment yes. and oh, all that magic yes. stuff that we can't, can't necessarily just give them. You know, it takes time. Well, one time I distinctly remember I was teaching in Dallas and I was giving my comprehensive lactation course. And I made that comment about if I could just give women a confidence pill, and I said, because it's so hard to give people confidence. There was a woman in the back who said the most profound thing. She said, Marie, I totally agree, but it is so easy to mm. take confidence away. Yes. Oh, my goodness. One word and it's gone, right? One or word. Or your breasts and look a bit small or baby yes. looks a bit hungry or weight gain's a bit slow. That's it. Yeah. Confidence bam, gone. Bam, bam, bam. It's like it, it's halfway 
gone already because you've shot that mother's confidence. It is so easy to take confidence away. I love your approach. I love the fact that, uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure I'm old enough to be your mother, but <laughs> I, I learned years ago that if I was too rigid, it just doesn't work because as I used to say, I don't have to go home with that baby. Yeah, that's right. It. Yeah, it's not you at three o'clock in the morning with the screaming no. baby as all those fears no. pile up on you and all that doubt comes in. You know, we have to give them a get out almost so that they can have that whatever they perceive as a break or whatever it happens to be and then have the confidence to come back to us the next day and say, do you know what? Last night I gave my baby a whole load of formula. Help me rather than going, I can't tell you this thing. You know, we don't right. want that. We want them to right. trust us. Right. I know you'll disapprove, but yes, and, exactly. and some, parents, some parents that never tell me, but they're changing the diaper and I look in the diaper and it's like, hello, that does not look like a, yes. <laughs> a fully breastfed baby. You know? I was like, I was not born yesterday. I figured that out. So <laughs> Lucy, I'm sure that we all come with our own set of circumstances that make us who we are. But if you were to name one or two things that gave you this relaxed, respectful approach to other mothers, what would you say it would be? How have you learned to just not foist your own stuff onto them? I have been so incredibly lucky to have some wonderful mentors in my life who I have been able to sit with and observe and see them work. And it's done me the world of good. I remember sitting in a breastfeeding support group as a peer supporter, no, newly qualified um, breastfeeding counsellor, and I knew the answer to a problem, but it wasn't working. I was saying to the mum, just do this, just do this. And it will stop yeah. hurting and it wasn't working. Yeah. So yeah. my more experienced mentor came along and I was so frustrated because all she did was sit with that mum and talk about how beautiful her baby was and how tired she must be. And I was like, what are you doing? It's just a position <laughs> problem. <laughs> I love it. Then I realized, well, she told me afterwards, the problem was the mother was so uptight that she couldn't hear my instructions. And that was such a turning point for me was seeing how, when the mum relaxes because she doesn't feel judged or hurried, then breastfeeding goes better. So that was a huge, huge influence in my life. And also going through it myself as a mother, you know, just the difficulties that I had with breastfeeding my boys and realizing that I responded better to people that would just sit and listen <laughs> than I did to yeah, people absolutely. that would give me instructions, right? I think most of us do. Uh, I don't always want to hear somebody's solution, I might even possibly be able to keep, come up with my own solution if somebody would just let me, you know, when I was in graduate school, I had a professor who talked about, and he would use his hand to do this. He would say, you have to listen them down. Yes. You have to listen them down because people are so uptight that they're not, he they're not hearing you at all. No. Uh, Lucy, I also loved what you did with the mother who you said, just, just give the baby the first little colostrum thing, and then you can just be done. How did that feel to you when you said that? Did you feel like you were underselling breastfeeding, or were you totally confident that you'd said the right thing to the mother? How did you feel? In that situation, I was confident it was the right thing because I knew this mom, and I knew that she was dead set against any breastfeeding. So Got it. Kind of the, the message of just give one feed, knowing it might possibly lead to two or three, kind of felt positive. There would definitely be situations where I wouldn't be telling moms, just give colostrum, it's magic, you know, because you, sure. you don't want to put them off breastfeeding, right? 
But that tells me what a wonderful read you have on your clientele. Because in truth, you were saying this would be really easy. It's a one-shot deal. It would be best for you and the baby. And oh, by the way, you can just stop right there if you wish. Yes. But how many of us have had so many life experiences where once we take that first step, the rest of the steps don't look so horrible? Absolutely. So I, I have a, new, a fairly new diagnosis of ADHD. So I was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. And for me, that, that really rings true because if I have a task to do, I can't do it until I break it down and say, do you know what? I just have to turn my laptop on. That's all I have to do is turn my laptop on. But I just have to open Word. And I think we can approach, approach mothers the same. You know, you just have to maybe express some milk before baby's born. And then you just need to perhaps see if baby will latch after they're born. And one step at a time, because it becomes far less overwhelming for them. It brings me back to a woman who had had four babies. I was working the postpartum unit that night. And it was a night, and I asked her if she wanted to breastfeed. Apparently, I didn't know whether she did or not. And uh, no, 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 she's uh, no, no, no. And she holds up her hand with that stop <laughs> sign, you know. Yes, yes. No, I did that with my last. I tried with my last four babies. It did not work. I do not want anything to do with it. I said, well, I wasn't there for the last four times, so I don't really know what it was like, but. Would you consider maybe just putting the baby to breast? And I kind of did the Lucy Ruddle thing, you know, just <laughs> just do this one time because of these these easy benefits here. And uh, I said, and if you don't want to do it, uh, it, it anymore, that's OK, because I go home in the morning. Yes. And <laughs> when I said I go home in the morning, what I what I was really trying to convey was you won't have to answer to me. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Well, of course, it went really well. And then I went out and helped her the next time, and it went really well. And long story made, oh, very long, interesting story. Very, And I also said to her, I said, you know, I'm going home now, but I just noticed on your, uh, on your medical record, you live walking distance from my house. If you change your mind and, and need any help, just let me know. Oh, that's amazing. Nowadays, I don't know if I would do that, but that in those days, that's what I did. Yes. I kid you not, Lucy, at age five months, she was still exclusively <sighs> breastfeeding. All because she had no pressure early support right. from somebody who got it. I mean, right. you changed that baby's future and that mother's future just by that. How amazing is that? Well, that's just it, is that even I didn't really expect it to work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know that when we pressure people, it, it's just, it's very difficult for them to do anything but shut down, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my kids are the same, you know. If I tell them they yeah. have to put their shoes on, they're not going to do it. <laughs> Lucy, talk to us because you've said this a few times, uh, or maybe not said it, but implied it. Talk to us about guilt and grief and shame. Oh, they're such big things. They're oh, such big, big things thing. in breastfeeding. Yeah. So first of all, Professor Amy Brown does this far more justice than I ever could. So any of her work, you want, you want to go there. 
Sorry. But it's something I've experienced myself as a mother with both of my babies. And it's something I see day in and day out. When breastfeeding doesn't go according to our plans, we tend to, as mothers, internalize that as our fault. Our bodies are wrong. Our babies have rejected yes. us. I yes. can't even do what my body was designed to do. And then pile on top of that the... I mean, the, the promotional stuff around breastfeeding can come across as quite high pressured and quite difficult for a lot of mums to hear. Wow. You know, in pregnancy, you must breastfeed. It's really good. Breast is best. But then the baby is born and there's no active support in the UK, really, unless they go out and find it. So they're feeling guilty that they haven't been able to breastfeed because this message has been pushed onto them since they were pregnant. And yet the support that they need has been removed from them at the point that they need it the most. So it, it makes me so cross that there are so many mothers walking around holding on to this grief and this guilt and this shame about the fact that combination feeding or formula feeding when in every single situation, as far as I can see, it's because somebody somewhere failed them. It's not their fault. It's oh, our absolutely. ridiculous society. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think that part of this is that they feel like it's an all or nothing situation. And your presentation is about a million percent different than that. Yes. And, and so if they, even if they do feel like a failure, they only feel like half of a failure, I would think, as opposed to just feeling like this is absolutely unattainable. I've just, I failed myself, my baby. I, I remember this one woman who said to me, I did everything wrong. Oh, and then she proceeded to tell me everything she'd done wrong. Oh. Um, and she said, the only thing that I did right was breastfeeding. Oh, bless her. Yeah. And I thought to myself, good that she can see that. And I would not say that I pushed her into breastfeeding, but I would say that I I just did a lot of cheerleading for something that she hadn't had any other cheerleading for anything else in her life. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, absolutely. And and I think that there, I'll, I should ask you, but it feels to me like when, can you just tell when somebody is really committed to that 100% want to be exclusively breastfeed and they're just going to like make it work no matter what? Don't you get those vibes? Yes, you can really, um, really, well, I've been doing a lot of work over Zoom this year for obvious reasons, but it comes through the screen, you know, this, this, this quiet determination. And they'll even say to me when I'm kind of helping them to improve their pain levels, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's better than it was. It feels manageable. And I'm like, give me a number out of 10. Like, well, it's still a six. It's like, well, that's not manageable. But they're so determined to make it work yes. that they are willing to suffer through that pain Absolutely. because they're going to yeah. breastfeed regardless. And they're wonderful, incredible women. They really are. <laughs> and then there are those that you get the vibes like, yeah, if I can get them to do anything, that would be good. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I think for the new IBCLC, that is so important because, you know, some of them are going to be absolutely riveted on doing it exclusively. And others of them are going to be, yeah, well, maybe if I can do some, that'd be good. But I think it's up to us to figure out which one that is. And also not to take it personally if it doesn't work out the way that we want it to. Because yes. sometimes, especially in the UK, I'm not sure if it happens where you are, but they will seek out a lactation consultant to prove that they can't breastfeed. So they'll oh, say, no, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I saw an IDCLC and <laughs> even they can sort me out. Even, even, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, that is so true. I forgot that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lucy, what do you say when the woman calls you and she says, I'm just plain not going to do this. I tried. I tried two weeks or two days or what. And, and I, I'm just I'm just done, Lucy. I just I've just had it. What yeah. do you say to that mom? I sit and I listen and I ask her how she feels and what led to this moment and what would she do differently next time? And if she oh. could wave a magic wand, what, what would be different? And uh, just, you know, I mean, recently I sat with the mum for over an hour while she sat on the floor and she cried. Oh. And that was all she did for an hour. And I just sat there and waited because she was done. She was absolutely done. She'd been through yeah. so much. She wasn't yeah. going back. And I couldn't say anything else to her at that point other than give her that space, you know. And eventually um, she went on to train to be a peer supporter. So it wasn't Interesting. like wasted in, you know, air, air commas, whatever these yes. quotations. Um, but it wasn't how she wanted it to go. And when they get to that point, just got to be there for them with no judgment, I think. Yeah, I agree because they certainly don't need any more disapproval. Goodness but me. sometimes it's just so hard to just let them cry it out, but they just kind of have to, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we know we have evidence that suggests that being supported in your crying is incredibly healing. You know, cortisol oh, comes out through your tears. And how often do we get to just cry while someone just sits there and holds our hand or says, it's okay, I'm here for you. So often people are like, no, don't cry, don't cry. It's okay, you did a really good job. They can't hear that. They need to get those, those feelings out before they can hear all of that. Yeah, and I think that when you tell somebody oh, it's okay, you did great, and she knows she didn't do great because it wasn't great by her standards, yes. then it feels like you have minimized her feelings or not acknowledged what she's going through. Exactly that. You've completely dismissed her experience, her desires, her right to breastfeed with, oh, dear love, don't worry about it, pat on the head, off you go. You, know, that, that's, you wouldn't do that in any other situation, so why do mm. it with breastfeeding? Wow, that's true. You would not do that in any other. I hope you wouldn't do that in any other. Oh, situation. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucy, I don't know if you have gotten a big wind of this, but here a couple of years ago in the U.S., and we've still got it. It's just not as big as it was a couple of years ago. Fed is best. <laughs> I um, mm. have you experienced that in the U.K. and how do you deal with that with the parents? So I've had personal dealings with some people that support Fed is Best as a, as a thing. Um, none of them very positive or nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why I was kind of smiling and <laughs> I was going, mm -hmm, nervous giggling there because it's, and you can see where, you know, taking any kind of organizational thing away from it, you can see where the saying comes from, you know, a good place, sure. right? Feed your baby is the best thing you could do. Sure. It's trying to remove guilt and shame that we know mothers still with. Unfortunately, it's incredibly minimizing. Um, oh, fed is best, hun, don't worry about it. While the mother's yeah. there sobbing on the floor because she couldn't do what she wanted to do. And you wouldn't say to a mum who was trying to a woman who was trying to run a marathon who had to stop halfway through, oh, never mind, we'll just drive the rest of the way, you know. Of getting there is best, you know. You, you wow, that's a great analogy. Yeah, right? You, you wouldn't do that. So why do it right. with a mother whose hormones and instincts and everything has been about putting this baby to the breast and then we just go off oh, at his best don't worry it's, it's yeah. really harmful for so many women oh it is it is and we've talked a lot about the situation where the mother or the family somehow decides that they're going to give some formula for whatever reason whatever reason 
But how do you deal with the mothers who tell you a different story? It was that terrible hospital nurse. She made me, she gave my baby, she whatever, whatever. She controlled things. That was not, that was not her place, yada, yada, yada. With your good listening skills, how do you help those moms? Again, it's letting them gather all out so they can say all the things they want to say. And sometimes I'll even say, imagine I'm that nurse or that person and you could say anything to me without me kind of, you know, getting my feelings hurt or getting angry. And sometimes it's fantastic because they go at me. They really go at me, you know. Yeah, yeah. But once that anger has surged and passed, generally they, they're calmer and then we can talk about, okay, so let's go through step by step what happened and what was the rationale given for maybe the formula being given and how did that feel and how do we get you back to where you want to be you know yeah. so it's mm-hmm. about moving forward and also telling them about if something genuinely was mishandled these are your rights to complain and this is how you can complain because you might be able to make it better for the next person going forward which can often also be quite healing I think. Lucy, uh, from that, I heard you saying the first thing to do is to help them to just get their feelings out there, acknowledge their feelings and so forth. But the next thing is to help them to realize that there are some next steps Yes, give them that hope. they do have control of. Yes. And we can bring that control back for them um, and, you know, get things to at least close to where they want it to be, if not completely meeting their goals, you know, giving them that power back. Lucy, there's something that you said earlier that I want to pick up on because I hear this all the time. I'm already a breastfeeding counselor. I've got everything I need here. I don't need to go and get my IBCLC. What would you say to that person? I mean, if you're genuinely happy being a breastfeeding counselor, it's a wonderful thing to be doing. And I loved my time doing it. Here in the UK, BFCs or breastfeeding counselors are volunteers, so amazing work. But there's so much more you can do as a lactation consultant. You know, we have so much more scope, right? And one thing that parents find really helpful or say that they find really helpful that I can do that I couldn't as a breastfeeding counselor are my notes. You know, I give them very Mm. detailed notes. I send them to their doc, those notes to their doctor and to the health visitor, which is kind of like a public health nurse we have here in the UK. Um, I can write letters to their GP requesting things like domperidone or blood tests if it's indicated. You can't do that as a breastfeeding counsellor. And we have to, when you're a breastfeeding counsellor, you're just doing the listening, you know, and then saying, here's a good article or some mother's find. When you're an IBCLC, you get to do the listening and then you get to go, well, here's a protocol for this. Do you want to do it? Which, you know, satisfies both my needs for uh, for helping mothers in as many different ways as possible. Yeah, because at least when I hear them talking and I don't want to discount the value of the counselor. Absolutely not. But you just articulated very well the idea that there's so many other like branches to this tree And it sounds like that has been enormously satisfying for you. Yeah. And I think there are definitely people who are are just very, very good breastfeeding counsellors and have no desire to do anything else. And they are, I mean, incredible, wonderful people. I've used helplines myself and absolutely love, love them. But there are also some people who feel the need to take that next step. 
And it's incredibly rewarding for me being a lactation consultant. I find it more rewarding than being a breastfeeding counsellor because I get to fix things as well. <laughs> we don't like to fix things because <laughs> I'm a breastfeeding counsellor. <laughs> and yet you've got that wonderful background and you clearly have outstanding communication skills. Absolutely oh, outstanding. Um, I would like to remind everyone that Lucy's first book was Relactation, A Guide for Rebuilding Your Milk Supply, which by the way, folks, that's like another whole show. All right. And uh, she has most recently uh, published Mixed Up Combination Feeding by Choice or Necessity. I will make mention of this on my blog, and I will send a link out to uh, uh, if you are interested. But also, Lucy, do you have anywhere that you want them? How can how can people find you? Find you, your services, your book, anything else? The best place to find me is Facebook. That's where I'm most active. Um, So Lucy Ruddle, IBCLC on Facebook. And I'm also under the same handle on Instagram. I am currently trying to build my Instagram following. So if anybody wants to follow me there, that'd be great. Um, And then from, from those places, you can find my websites as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Lucy Ruddle. It has been a delight to have you with us. Thank you so much, Marie. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Without you, I don't have a show. So just remember, whether it is exclusive breastfeeding or whether it's mixed up by choice or by necessity, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.